Bring the Cleveland Browns. And you are Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, crossover Wednesdays. Uh, it's always nice. And the best part about this is, is you know, for us who work at the Locked On Network, we don't get a lot of time to interact and look, you know, obviously the NFL Network, 32 guys covering 32 teams. We don't get to interact as much as we like. So maybe whether or not David like this, David Locke, you know, pushes it for this aspect, it is always nice to get to know somebody else who covers another team. Look, at the end of the day, we're obviously all fans of the sport. So Ross Jackson, obviously from L.A., and this is, here's the best part, guys. Ross is covering the New Orleans Saints from L.A. I am covering the Cleveland Browns from New Jersey. So a lot of fun with this. Ross, first off, good to meet you. Good to get a little talk to you pre-show. Uh, what's going on, man? How's everything going? Oh, man, everything's good. Yo, everything's good. Thanks so much for uh, for doing this with me. I, and I entirely agree. Like One of the things that's so exciting about doing this and being a part of a network like this is that we get to do stuff like this and come together. Sort of. I mean, this, I, I feel like this is our version of breaking bread. You feel me? Absolutely, it's you know it's it's you know we'll, we'll meet for a beer and apps and you know and we'll get the ball rolling from there. Um, Ross, first things first. Uh, I guess for you guys, an unexpected week one, definitely for the Browns, an unexpected week one. But um, you know, me here in New Jersey, watching the Jets all my life, Ryan Fitzpatrick every now and then can stumble into a can't do no wrong day. And right. For the Saints, I think that's kind of what maybe kind of happened Sunday. Yeah, yeah, we were just on the wrong end of it. <laughs> we were just entirely on the wrong end of it. Uh, and, and it was upsetting to see because, you know, we spent the entire offseason, you know, this defense just getting looking like it was getting better and better and better. And the brotherhood was there. The camaraderie was there. Like everybody was out there having fun and like making plays throughout uh, training camp and enough to preseason and everything. But it just goes to show you that training camp and preseason might look one way but once you get into under the lights in the game you never know what's going to happen on an nfl football field and we just happen to be on the wrong side of it on uh, well at least our defense our defense happened to be on the wrong side of it our offense looked great uh so i'm hoping that we we bring a little bit more to the game uh this sunday up against those cleveland browns uh it, it, it is funny the way it worked and now me i have a lot of fantasy interest in the new orleans saints mm-hmm. so it didn't hurt me I mean, you know, that at the end of the day worked out, but it was shocking, obviously, you know, because this defense, you know, as the year went on last year, you know, the calling card was the secondary was young and was getting better. Obviously, mm-hmm. he spent a lot on the the young pass rusher in the draft. Um, the only reason he kind of lost in Minnesota, and it was such a terrible thing, Marcus Williams, who had a phenomenal rookie year, just a, a little bit of a brain fart in the way it fell apart there. So right. surprising to see the way that went down here. Uh, for us, Cleveland, for me, covering the Cleveland Browns, it was for about, let's see, NFL games are 60 minutes. For about 47, 48 minutes, it was, crap, here it goes again. Right. You know, kind of hanging and then all of a sudden, the defense was like, no, 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 we're going to put an end to this right now, and we're going to put you guys in a position where you cannot screw this up. So 21, 21, and like I was telling my listeners, we're going to overtime, I'm going through YouTube, I'm like, all right, which version of Hallelujah is going to go best <laughs> if we can pull this off to open this show with? But at the end of the day, look, uh, you know, it's not a win, and there's no way, and nobody in Cleveland has taken it this way. But at the end of the day, the Pittsburgh Steelers walked out of there, and they did not hang an L to the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely. So some concerns, obviously, offensively. The defense looked really, really good and hung really tough. 
So, you know, we're finally hoping that maybe there's, you know, a couple of rungs on the ladder getting closer and closer out of what has been, and obviously, you know, 20 plus years, but even still for the last two years, one in 31 and being everybody's doormat and everybody's punchline, maybe we're starting to see some light at the end of that tunnel, uh, Ross. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to tell you, too, I mean, just just, uh, you know, me as somebody who covers the Saints and me looking across the field at the Cleveland Browns, there's I mean, look, there's no reason to take the Cleveland Browns of 2018 lightly. I mean, you talked about that defense that stepped up toward the end of the game, uh, which is kind of what I mean, we, we sort of we sort of parallel each other in that way because we were we were sort of waiting for the Saints defense to do that same thing and just kind of, you know, make some second half adjustments and come back and then sort of buckle down. Uh, and help get us in position to win. And so our offense put us in position to win, but our defense couldn't come through for for the for the uh, Cleveland Browns. It looked like the defense put them in a position, but the offense just couldn't finish it out. And I think that when you look at that offense, despite the fact that, you know, whatever happened in overtime happened, I mean, there was weather, there was all of this other stuff going on as well. But I mean, there's some firepower there. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is is not, you know, I mean, he's no slouch. That's for certain. Uh, Jarvis Landry is one of the best young wide receivers in the league. One of the best possession catchers in the league uh, is part of that. He, Odell Beckham Jr. and Michael Thomas over here, over in New Orleans, are sort of all setting those same records. You know, most catches over three seasons, everything like that. Uh, Josh Gordon looks like he is pretty much back. I'm pretty, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. You've got a great talent in uh, David and Joku over there. So there's no shortage of offensive weaponry over there. It's just about putting it all together. And you know, sometimes maybe that doesn't happen week one, but you might see it week two. And I think that's one of the scary things with the performance that we saw from our defense. We're hoping that they also make that leap moving into the second week as well. Yeah, and that's the difficult thing because, um, look, and, and when we go to week two, um, obviously weather is not going to be, be a concern. And Tyrod Taylor, uh, you know, he has a reputation of being, you know, somewhat, you know, passive and holding back. But when you get in a situation like this and where you could get into a shootout type of game, Tyrod throws a nice long ball. And I think he's going to get a little edging from the coaching staff. Look, a mistake I'm okay with, you know, but the seven sacks we're not okay with. If you're going right. to throw one fifty yards and throw an interception, that's okay. Let's not get ourselves punting from inside the 20 three, four, five times a game. So it's going to be fun how that plays out. And and one thing I've been harping on here with, and like you mentioned with the with the skill position here, there's more of a baseball type lineup here. You've got a stacking order at wide receiver. You've got running backs, Duke Johnson, David Njoku, you know, similar to what New Orleans has got, you know, with, you know, a lot of guys are capable of making plays. So mm-hmm. we could see some pinball type numbers as we go into Sunday's, con- uh, you know, a Sunday's contest, which is very exciting, which is very interesting. Now, Ross, like you, like me, a lot of people, oh, you host a podcast. Well, here, can you help me with my picks this week? Can <laughs> All you the time. help me with, you know, who do you think is going to win this game? Look, guys, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of good, but I can't give you a whole slate. I can right. give you one or two games where I think somebody's going to win. But, Ross, the most important thing is not who you bet on. A lot of times it's who you sp- put your money into and who you bet with. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's why, uh, you know, one of my favorite places is my bookie. Uh, and trust me, like they're honestly one of the best bets. They've been in business for years. Uh, great reviews online. They're uh, they've got a mobile site that's super easy to use. And you know they you know what they say over there is lay down some cash and win big today. 
And that's the thing. And it, one of the things is obviously, you know, uh, one of my favorite aspects of mybookie.com is it, for fantasy players. It's the yes. over-unders, and you can wager on that. And look, when you're around with a bunch of people on Sunday, you know, everybody wants to argue about games, but everybody always wants to argue about fan- fantasy. Yes. So the fact yeah. that you can put some money down on whether or not Michael Thomas is going to eclipse 14.5, which he absolutely shattered last week, mm-hmm. that's a fun, fun aspect. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that uh, that fantasy, uh, you know, bet, being able to bet on the over under for fantasy points is probably my favorite feature over at my bookie. And you know, we try not to recommend stuff to the listeners that hasn't been good to us before. And like I said, you know, I'm not gonna pull up my bank account and read anything or anything like that or tell you how everything's going. But I gotta say that the fantasy point aspect has been uh, pretty good to me, and that's why we're here to recommend it to you. And here, well, here's the thing, guys. Now, when you use mybookie.com, use the promo code Locked On. It's obviously you know, from all of our NFL shows. We will get you to this. First things first. Whatever money you're going to put down, they're going to match. So, guys, jump in early. If you're a big player, a small player, even if it's twenty five dollars, you're getting fifty. If you're mm-hmm. a bigger player, a hundred, two hundred, they're going to match you dollar for dollar. So, first off, right away, you're kind of playing with a little bit of free money. Mm-hmm. That's true, man. Yeah, you put in a little bit. And they double it up for you. Uh, you can hit it up. Uh, and it's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And, of course, that promo code is locked on when you create your account. And, you know, I mean, you, they always say it, but you play, you win, you get paid. And you, you might be using somebody else's money when you're getting paid, too, which ain't a bad look. That is the absolute best part of it, Ross. Exactly. Free money to make money. Cannot That's... beat it. So MyBookie.com, guys, all over it. Please get on it. Uh, now, I guess we'll start, uh, Ross, uh, Saints offense versus the Browns defense. Um, one thing that really stood out, obviously, is you know the Browns, you know, PFF-wise, had five first- or second-year players grade really well. So you mm-hmm. start to see a future of this franchise with, with a Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, Jannard Avery, Jabril Peppers, Denzel Ward. These guys really came to it. But now this is, you know, as, as much as the Steelers are a good test the rubber's going to meet the road here, um, whether it's an Alvin Kamara, whether it's a Michael Thomas. <laughs> obviously, Drew Brees, the ageless wonder at this point. Uh, is there anything, you know, maybe a little bit more emphasis on the run game for the Saints, but is there something here that the Saints need to do that they maybe didn't show out week one? Yeah, I think uh, I think the first one that you bring up there is actually a good point is an emphasis further emphasis on the run game. You know, we had uh, Mike Gillisley. We brought him in at the beginning of of the season. Uh, we had cut at that point our six round draft pick, Boston Scott. And then we had cut who was supposedly the favorite to go in and take over the uh, the Mark Ingram uh, carries because Mark Ingram suspended through the first four games. So the whole boom and zoom uh, thunder and lightning approach of Alvin Kamara and uh, and uh, Mark Ingram is currently on hold until at least week five, week six after the bye week. Uh, so through that, uh, we thought that Jonathan Williams would be the guy that was coming in and take those over. Well, surprise, surprise, uh, roster cuts come. We cut Jonathan Williams. Uh, we ended up bringing him back onto our practice squad. I have no idea how Mickey Loomis that, but found a way to do it. Uh, and so they brought him back and then cut Boston Scott, brought Boston Scott back. And then before last week, uh, we elevated Jonathan Williams back up from the practice squad. So he had a pretty tumultuous week uh, coming into that uh, that game against the uh, the Bucks that ended up being a tumultuous game. Uh, but Mike Gillisley gets, you know, three carries that game, and then he puts one on the ground at the end of the first half that gets scooped up and returned for a touchdown, which sort of creates a little bit more space. We went into the locker room instead with a 24-17 to 17 deficit. We went we were in there 31-17, to 17, which sort of made, you know, that, that kind of deflated 
the offense there because the defense was giving up points left and right, yards left and right, but the offense was cooking. And then once you saw the offense give up points, it was kind of like, oh, damn, okay, here we go, you know? Uh, and then, you know, we, we sort of turned it on again later, but we turned it on without Mike Gillisley and we returned it on without Jonathan Williams, who only had one carry. So we saw most of the running back touches go to Alvin Kamara, which is something that uh, New Orleans is a little keen on not doing, just in terms of preserving Alvin Kamara throughout the throughout the season. If we start packing him up 20, 24, 25 carries uh, each game, these first four games, he's going to have a little bit more wear and tear on him than what we saw around midseason last year, when he didn't really even come on until the fourth game, uh, or at least the London game against the Dolphins. Yep. And he's an absolute fun player to watch. And if anybody you know who follows college football, if you want to know why Butch Jones is no longer employed, it's a very <laughs> simple fact. Um, Jalen Hurd was a featured back there for, you know, it seemed like seven years. But here's Jalen Hurd still in college trying to find his way as a wide receiver at Baylor. And meanwhile, the Alvin Kamaras and the John Kellys of the world are in the NFL and flourishing. So, you know, a little bit of side note there. The one <laughs> thing I'm concerned about is I, I'm – I'm very okay with the Browns' safety position. They mm-hmm. play three, they play four, they rotate them in, they rotate them out. I'm okay with that. But outside of Denzel Ward at cornerback number one, and he saw a lot more reps week one with Antonio Brown than I thought he was going to see. So yeah, I like to see the fact that they were confident enough in him, and he showed pretty darn well. Obviously, the two interceptions, three pass breakups, uh, Hugh Jackson in his always Hugh Jackson way kind of, sort of gave a backhanded, you know, slap like, well, that touchdown doesn't need to happen. Look, Antonio Brown is one of the best in the business. It's right. going to happen. It doesn't matter if it's Patrick Peterson. It wouldn't matter if it was Deion Sanders. The ball's in the right place. Antonio Brown's in the right place. You're going to get beat. But Denzel Ward showed very well. Where I'm concerned and my focus going into this week is I'm not so sure about – I like the cornerbacks that are here. I'm just not so sure about the pecking order – and who's best at what in a in you know Brian, uh, Breen Body Calhoun, who normally plays the nickel for them, had a really good 2017 season, had a rough opener against Pittsburgh. You know, was that due to traction? Was that due to the fact that obviously Pittsburgh has a very good wide receiving core? But now we're going to see how it goes this week when we go to a place where we're not going to have to worry about the ground, not going to have to worry about it being wet. But a lot mm-hmm. of good players, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be intrigued how the rest of this cornerback crew plays out, and plus the fact that you're going again against an established veteran who can find any way, and most of the time when he gets to the line of scrimmage before the ball is snapped, he's gonna kind of know which guy he's gonna go to just by from pre you know pre snap reads, you know the way the lineup is, you know obviously you know inside shade, outside shade, things of that nature. Drew Brees, this is a guy who can take advantage of any of those situations. Yeah, and I think that uh, that's one of the things that we have a little bit of an advantage with as well is that our wide receiver uh, position has a lot of really viable options, especially if Cameron Meredith happens to be uh, active going into week two. We kept him inactive week one. We started Austin Carr in the slot, uh, who wasn't terrible. He had uh, two catches, 20 yards, uh, but most of the attention on the offense went to the top two wide receivers, which were Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn Jr. Each had a touchdown. Ted Ginn Jr. is one of those people. I mean, we 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 always credit Drew Brees for being ageless, being an ageless wonder, and everything. Ted Ginn's got to be like yeah. thirty six at this point. He's 
incredible and it's nuts he's still so fast and so now he still has all of that speed and he has all of that veteran knowledge and all of that veteran savvy so when you're matching up with him whether you be terrence mitchell whether you be denzel ward whether you be Bodie calhoun if he moves into the into the slot which we do with him every now and then not often but every now and then uh he's got that veteran savvy to where he knows the right moves to make when he knows the types of hand uh, the, you know, not I don't want to say push offs, but he knows the types of uh, hand moves that aren't going to draw the ref's attention and create separation and all that other stuff. He's shifty. He's really, really shifty. And he always finds a way. Uh, particularly uh, last week, you were looking at the young corners, uh, Vernon Hargreaves and um, and uh, Carlton Davis, who he ended up working for a touchdown at one point. Uh, and then, of course, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, just like Antonio Brown, has the entire route tree at his disposal which makes it incredibly hard to guard him, just like with Antonio Brown. Uh, Jalen Ramsey talked about that once, particularly with Antonio Brown, uh, particularly with Antonio Brown, but it also is true for Michael Thomas that, you know, when you're a young cornerback, if you only if you know that a wide receiver that you're going up against only has three or four routes, you can prep for that. But if you're facing up a guy who has the entire route tree at his disposal and you're a young corner, that can sometimes lead to trouble for those corners. Uh, so that's one thing to keep an eye out on is uh, Michael Thomas. I mean, he had 16 catches for 180 yards and a touchdown last week on 17 targets. That's a 94.1% catch percentage. The guy's incredible. And it, Michael Thomas was a guy I liked coming through the draft process. The only concern I had, and I still get some people, oh, we didn't really like Michael Thomas. No, my problem was is Michael Thomas came from a school like Ohio State we're still plays, we're going to run the ball 30 times a game. Was he right. going to be able to handle the volume increase? And he has hit the ground and hit it running. And I would not be shocked if the Saints, if it came tomorrow, where the Saints just said, you know what, we're done messing around. It's time to extend Michael Thomas to a big old <laughs> fat deal because he deserves every drop of it. Because when you talk about a guy who's putting up numbers better than a Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, it's insane, but that's how talented this guy is. Guys, you're listening to Crossover Wednesdays. Locked on Browns, Locked on Saints with Ross Jackson, me, myself, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, guys, the fun part, we enjoy doing these episodes because it, it, it's fun to get to know each other's teams the way we do this. Mm-hmm. Um, Locked on NFL, Matt Williamson does a fantastic job over there. Um, the lineups he's got, uh, you know, Mondays, he's going to get, you know, locked on hosts like Ross, like myself. We didn't make the cut this week. Hopefully we'll make the no, cut next okay. week, guys. It happens. Another time. Another it time. Happens. It happens. <laughs> Sage Rosenfels, former NFL veteran quarterback, comes on Tuesdays. Mike Renner from PFF. Uh, Mike Sando from ESPN. Uh, Friday does the pick'em games. You know, it does the picks for, for the week. Uh, you know, obviously gives you, you know, game betting, if you whatever, if you want to jump on on that, listen to Matt for that. But locked on NFL, Matt Williamson does a fantastic job over there. Uh, we're going to switch it over here, Russ. Uh now, the Browns offense, like we had mentioned a little earlier, there are some concerns, you know, because the problem is you have a dynamic guy, and you have a guy who's capable of giving you Mike Thomas-like stuff, but Josh Gordon had to take his hiatus. So, obviously, for missed almost all of camp. Mm-hmm. I, I was to the point where I was getting aggravated. I wanted him in the Sunday before the Week 3 preseason game. Whether or not he played, I wasn't concerned about but he needed to be in here to start getting part of this. Comes in with a little bit of hamstring, so things were slow. Didn't get, you know, played 69 reps week one, only got three targets. But Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, obviously a big day week one. David Njoku didn't show like we're expecting the breakout. The breakout that we're expecting from David Njoku is big. 
Didn't see much of that. Antonio Callaway, uh, you know, because he had his little hiccup before week one. So mm-hmm. then got, you know, then he got, you know, well, we're going to we're gonna discipline him by playing the living daylights out of him in a one <laughs> preseason game and ended up, you know, with, with, with some minor injuries. So he's still a work in progress there. Rashard Higgins, Duke Johnson, there's depth to this offense. We want to see more from Tyrod because uh, there's a lot of the Cleveland faction, and I'm part of it. When you had the number one overall pick and you took a a quarterback who's known for having stones and he's not afraid to hold, he's not afraid to release the ball, Mm -hmm. there's going to be things of that nature. But for this week, it's going to be Tyrod. It's going to be these weapons. And there's talent here. We just want to see some growth. And obviously there's the offensive line where week in, week out, they were constantly fluctuating with it. We know who it is now, and we're going to week two. But there are some weapons on this Cleveland Browns offense. We're hoping for a little bit more than 21 this week. Yeah. I got to tell you, too, man, uh, if you don't mind me saying, uh, Baker Mayfield was my favorite quarterback coming out of that draft. He was Sean Payton's favorite quarterback coming out of that draft. And so I just have to say that I I do not envy – whoever the team is that plays him in his first NFL career start because boy does he have a lot to show and boy he's a little aggravated my guess yeah. is it's going to be week four because regardless you know obviously with the Saints game on Sunday and then they come right back and play Thursday night so you're mm-hmm. not I'm never gonna throw a rookie out there with three days rest so right. my, my guess is that window is week four and they're gonna look around and see where it's at. And I'm okay with the, you know, we're not going to rush the kid. We're not going to rush the kid. But, you know, there's a head coach with his job on the line. So, you know, whether or not Hugh can pull the trigger and say, I want to play him, it's going to be interesting because, obviously, this is John Dorsey's quarterback. This is not Hugh Jackson's quarterback. Right. So it's going to be interesting. But I do not want to spend too much more time on a guy who is not going to play. <laughs> Sorry, I, just, I needed to say uh, it. No, but <laughs> it, 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 how can he not? He's the number one overall pick in the draft. There's no way right. he, you can not do a show and not bring him up. Right. Um, but the Saints defense, Russ, um, obviously uh, the rookie Davenport, uh, the secondary, now you're talking about two second-year players. Obviously mm-hmm. it wasn't the greatest week for Mr. Lattimore. Um, give me some thoughts here on those guys. Yeah, I mean, we're expecting – so, I mean – I guess the way that I should say this is that most people are expecting a bit of a bounce back coming into week two. I'll say I'm expecting an improvement. I wouldn't call it a bounce back. I don't know that there's enough time between a Sunday game and a Sunday game, which is nice, but enough time between a week to say, great, we fix all of our technique issues that we were having uh, in week one. I, I So I'm expecting that there's still going to be some things. I mean, it was less communication error. Uh, and it was more just simple technique issues, making a decision. Von Bell at one point made a decision to pass uh, Deshaun Watson off. I'm sorry, Deshaun Jackson off into a coverage that wasn't actually there. So that's less communication. That's more technique and understanding of what you know, what you have behind you. Uh, Ken Crawley oftentimes got stuck in press coverage up against Deshaun Jackson with no safety help. He was just out on an island by himself. And Ken Crawley's quick, but he's not Deshaun Jackson fast. That's very, very different. <laughs> That's very, very different. Um, and then, you know, Marshall and Lattimore just had a rough game. Marcus Williams had a rough game. At one point, he got trucked by uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, bulldozing his way into the end zone on a run-pass option. And I think that that's one of the big things that when I look back at week one and I go, oh, God, no, going into week two, because we've had some luck against Tyrod Taylor. I mean, last year, I think we hung 47 on their 10 points in Buffalo. 
Uh, but that's a Buffalo team that didn't have the talent at skill positions that this Cleveland Browns team has. Uh, they didn't have the coaching either. I mean, you're talking about a coach that made the decision to throw five pick Peterman into the mix uh, for a half at one point. <laughs> and so <laughs> so I think that there, he's in a bit of a better situation. And if the Saints had trouble containing Ryan Fitzpatrick when he scrambled outside of the pocket makes me nervous about how they're going to contain Tyrod Taylor. Now, don't get me wrong. We understand that Tyrod Taylor has that ability. And, uh, you know, Cameron Jordan talked about in, a, in one of the postgame pressers that they were expecting all of Ryan Fitzpatrick's scrambles to come up the middle between the guards, not to go around the edge. And so that's why they ended up kind of getting eaten up. Even in that last point where they had the opportunity to put the Saints in a position to tie the game, uh, on a third and 11, Ryan Fitzpatrick scrambled to the outside for 12 yards. So there's a lot that I'm seeing in the, the, you know, as I watch the film of the week one game that makes me really nervous walking into the week two game. And so I expect a little bit of an improvement. But like I said, I'm not expecting I, I'm not expecting the wound to be completely closed, if that makes sense. Yeah. And well, here's where I'll counteract um, from the Cleveland standpoint. We don't want to see Tyrod Taylor running around. Mm, um, mm -hmm. You don't need to. I mean, look, if it's because of pressure, that's one thing. Sure. But look, you have a plethora of weapons. Use them. Right. Um, as far as Lattimore and Marcus Williams, you wonder if it was kind of a case of two guys who had, and look, you know, we'll take the Minnesota playoff game out of it, two guys who had phenomenal rookie years and kind of maybe just rolled in a year or two and look, all right, we're established, we're good. And you know, right. maybe they needed the kind of, you know, the punch in the nose, kick in the nuts, whatever you want to use. That mm -hmm. oh shit, you know, each week, each week, each week, you got to come and you have to come hard. And yeah, so, I think know, that was a yeah, that was, that was a huge thing, like buying into their own hype, essentially. And then uh, even even Mar uh, Marshawn Lattimore said basically what you just said that they got slapped in the face and they needed it. So, well, that's part of it, and that's this league. I mean, in, in a week in week out, and especially obviously being in the NFC, NFC South. You know, which is a very competitive division. You know, obviously, mm -hmm. you know the two losses that you know Atlanta's already got on defense is going to be interesting how that plays out. But entirely just, unfortunate, by the way. Entirely unfortunate. I hate it, that. It is, and it, you kind of hate to see that set in stone. But even still, though, but that Atlanta offense, when they're humming, they can drop thirty on anybody. So mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. Um, as far as the outcome of the game, I mean, I, I kind of think. Let's see here. All right, we got to do a score prediction. I always say you got to do a score prediction. Yeah. I'm going to go a 34-27, my Browns on the wrong end. But I'm thinking somewhere of that range. What are you thinking, Ross? I'm actually pretty close to that. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a shootout than people need I it hope. to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that the Saints pull out on top because I don't think that Drew Brees is going to end up letting his team fall short two weeks in a row like that. But it you is know, interesting that before before you go to it, yo, please, the one please. thing that's interesting is is the Saints are of the mindset that they know it's September. And right. they know Mark Ingram's eventually coming back. And now with what's going on with Atlanta, look, 10-11, just get us to the dance. That's all we need. Whereas Cleveland, it gets late early because you're one in thirty-one over the last two years. Right. No, absolutely, and that's a great point. There is there is a different kind of hunger coming from both sides of this team right now. Both of them viable enough to enforce a win, I think. Uh, and I mean, for for New Orleans, though, I mean, there's the other part of it being September. You know, we're uh, New Orleans over the last since 2013 has only won. 
a single game in September. Other than that, the Saints team has started at least 2-0 and in every season since 2013. So this is an opportunity for them to sort of right the ship in terms of their, their trajectory over the last couple of seasons. In terms of saying, okay, we weren't able to get the first week win in, for, in five years, but maybe we can get the second week win. So I'm looking at uh, actually 31-35, so pretty close to where you are, um, in favor of the Saints. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I think that... Uh, that Drew Brees is able to to top it off, and I think that the that the Saints defense finds a way to do what the Browns defense did last year and help secure the win at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're on page. Um, yeah. The thing is, is you know, look, it should be a fun game. Um, I think Tyrod needs to go to a dome. Tyrod needs to get a little more confidence. He's he's got to let it rip a little bit and realize what he's got. Uh, Drew Brees, this is what he does week in, week out, and it don't matter where he's playing. Maybe in Cleveland on uh, this past Sunday, he wouldn't have been able to do it as such. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, that's just the way it is, and this is the way it goes, and that's the advantage of being a team that plays in the southeast of, New Jersey, of the United States as opposed to playing, you know, obviously, you know, up in Ohio and, you know, around the Great Lakes and all the weather issues that go on there. Rough. Absolutely, and playing in a dome doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, that'd be nice. I mean, they could probably put a, a roof on First Energy that would probably make <laughs> a lot of people in Cleveland happy. But Ross, absolute pleasure getting to talk to you a little bit here and breaking this down. Same to you, my man. Thank you so much. Love everything you're doing over there, Locked On Browns. I'm always rooting for y'all and everything. Love your show. Thanks so much for everything you do, man. It was good to spend some time. Absolutely, guys. Follow Ross Jackson. Ross Jackson. Follow the uh, Locked On Saints podcast. Guys, follow the Locked On Browns podcast as you know the Twitter handle. I always keep it a follow back account. It's the best way for you guys to get any information to me that you want or any topics you want discussed. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, until tomorrow night, let's go Browns. Let's go Saints. Crossover Wednesdays. And guys, uh, come Sunday, we should have ourselves a nice game on our hands.